0: This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton.
1: Welcome back. I'm Barbara Kahn. I'm the Patty and J.H. Baker Professor of Marketing here at the Wharton School. And Keith Niedermeyer, he had to head out a little early tonight, but we're continuing on, you and me, This is Marketing Matters on Sirius XM Business Radio, channel 132. And my next guest is someone I met. When I went to Africa this summer, Wharton has this amazing program where they want the faculty to get used to global business. And in order to help them do that, they sponsor trips of different groups of faculty to go to different parts of the world and to meet with government leaders, entrepreneurs, business leaders, to really learn what it's like about doing business outside of the United States. And so this summer, about a dozen of us went to Africa, and we went to South Africa. We went to Cape Town and Johannesburg. then we went to Rwanda, and then we went to Kenya. And we met with lots of different people, lots of government officials, to try to understand the complicated place that Africa is. And when we were in Cape Town, I met our next guest, who I was incredibly impressed with, and I really wanted to share her experiences with you. Um, and she graciously agreed to talk to me on the radio, so hello! I'm, my next guest is... I may not say her name quite right, so I'm going to ask her to say it again. But Empo Sequele, is that right? You said it absolutely perfect. (laughs) Thank you. She is the founder of Sintu Online. Um, But when we were in Africa, we had a pretty long conversation with her, and I was wondering if we could perhaps share some of that. She is an amazing entrepreneur with an incredible background, and I do want to get to her business. But I was wondering, Poe, if you could tell us a little bit about what it was like for you growing up in Cape Town in South Africa before we get into what you've now accomplished. Is that okay?
0: No, that's perfectly fine. In fact, I didn't grow up in Cape Town. Um, I grew up in Johannesburg. So just to give it a little bit of perspective, um, Cape Town is what uh, L.A. is to um, the U.S. and Johannesburg is mostly what New York is perceived um, in the U.S. So um, it's a very different city. So I grew up in Johannesburg um, and have been living in Cape Town over the past six years. So growing up in Johannesburg was um, quite, quite, it, it was an exciting era. Um, um, it was a time in our country where apartheid was coming to an end and we were being exposed to a lot of opportunities, be it education-wise and, and, and business-wise. So we were first of many in many ways, not just from being first-generation students, but into the corporate spaces which we entered and for me, retail business planning being one of those, where, which was a space that I had never been exposed to. So, and yeah, it's led me here to this path.
1: Yeah. But no, so Apartheid officially ended in 1994. Is that right?
0: That is absolutely correct. I was 12 years old. That's then, what I was going to so ask you. How old
1: were you when yeah, that happened?
0: <laughs> I was 12 years old. So just to backtrack a bit. So when I was born, um, um, we were born into what they called the a township then, where it was um, a sort of settlement that was only designed for black-owned, black-only people. And you couldn't literally live outside of that. It was against the law to live anywhere else or in mixed areas. And I think when I was about five years old, I was moved to a more rural area, which was far safer because, um, I mean, the country was... In a bit of a turmoil in the in the townships, so there was a lot of violence and and and, and police uh, official police presence within the townships themselves. So it was in a very safe environment for a little five year old. Um, I went to then live in a rural settlement um, for a bit and came back into the city closely to when apartheid was about to end. The interesting bit was then when it was officially ended. I was then moved to a previously white only um neighborhood where now it's a new set of diversity from being a township kid to a rural kid now um, um that <laughs> that's pretty broad years. background <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I call it colorful, I call it colorful. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so how were you how was that i mean i i think this is i remember now talking to you about this and you kind of had a strategy yeah. for surviving in this white area uh, as a young kid trying to figure out this colorful environment
0: I mean the only way you can survive is to immerse yourself in it, you know, so when you're in a space where it's a new culture, get to know the culture, get to know the people and expose who you are um I think it's a it, it's a tactic that not only um shaped me then but I still use till this day you know
1: I think you you were telling me that you wanted to you know be be noticed because you worked hard and were better at certain things,
0: exactly. I think it actually propels you to be better than 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 others, to not be the stereotype, or to not be um, what 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 the normal perception is, but to just exactly rise above it. So, definitely on my side, um, to to essentially be part of the circle, I had to be excellent, and I think it's 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 a value that I'm eternally grateful for. Um, because it comes as, as, as second nature now and, and anything that I engage in, uh, to not just do things for the sake of doing them, but to do them for to the best of your ability, you know.
1: And so from that background, when did you come to the ni- United States?
0: Because you studied in the United States as well, oh, right? Oh, yes. yes, 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 yes. So, um... Based on that background, um, I entered a career in, in retail planning. Um, after spending a decade long in retail business planning for quite a few blue-chip retailers locally, um, I decided to pack my bags and do my, pursue my MBA full-time. Frankly, strangely enough, it was not in the United States, but oh. it was in Slovenia. Oh, so it was only in the summer break um, in Slovenia. That I was part of a fellowship in the United States, and it's called the Mandela Washington Fellowship, um, where a few um, entrepreneurs and 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 business um, managers from the African continent um, gather in various institutions within the United States, and we either um, pursue entrepreneurship or civic leadership or public management. And so, I was in the entrepreneurship um, aspect at Dartmouth College in New Hampshire. So that was last year, literally, um, last summer, and what an amazing experience. So you were at um, Dartmouth
1: for the summer. I it was, was just Dartmouth. last year. And and yes. you learned more. So you had had a long time in entrepreneurship and retail. And what were some of the new yes. skills you learned at Dartmouth then?
0: I think the level of innovation. um um, how tech and artificial intelligence is moving forward. Mm-hmm. I think we're a little bit um, behind when it comes to just using industry 4.0 um, disruptors going forward, which was something that was already um, being looked at very closely at Dartmouth. Um, I mean, we looked at business models that were very different to what I was accustomed to. I remember we went on a side visit to Ben and Jerry's in Vermont. <laughs> <laughs> And um, it's not just ice cream, you know. So when I heard uh, Ben and Jerry's story about how they advocate for certain courses and so forth, and they just happen to make ice cream, that that certainly resonated with how I work as well and the type of business model I wanted to build for um, my e-commerce platform. So that's just one example. Yeah, that's a great uh, example, actually,
1: because that is a different a, kind of business. It's not yeah. just ice cream. And, and a lot yeah. of the things that you follow through on build on that kind of idea. Yeah. So I'm talking Definitely. to Mpo Sequele. She is the founder of Sintu Online, and she's just she's someone I met when a group of Wharton faculty this summer went to South Africa to meet with entrepreneurs and business leaders and government people. And she was just telling us a little bit about her background growing up in South Africa, and as she described it, was a colorful background. Uh, but then she found herself last summer at Dartmouth, and she went not to Sylvania um, to learn different kinds of things, and now she's back in Cape Town in South Africa. Africa, and she ha- is an entrepreneur, and she's founded two different kinds of endeavors. One, let's talk about Bantu Hikers first, and then we'll yeah. get to Sintu Online. So tell us what the theory is or what your idea was behind Bantu Hikers.
0: Okay, so Bantu Hikers is a, a mentorship flat platform for first-generation students. Um, we literally mentor um, students that are in their final year of high school that are transitioning into university. Um, The reason why we do that, so in South Africa, only about 18% of students that um, complete their high school education have access to universities and college and so forth, and that's basically because of financial issues and so forth, so of that 18% that actually access these institutions, they are the cream of the crop when you actually think about it, Um, however, majority of them uh, drop out within the first year and i think the statistic was about 60 percent of them drop out in the first year and the reasons are not financial ones but it's it's just the issue of first generation students learning to um, survive in different environments and spaces that are so new to them i mean i think about my journey and had i not um, moved from the township perhaps to a rural environment or to a suburbia suburban environment would I have been able to survive university and all these prestigious institutions um, as well as I had? And I think the answer is a definite big no. So with uh, Bantu hikers, we literally climb mountains, and we use that as a as a as a as a metaphor for leadership to say some some things look impossible until they're done. Just like a mountain, that's how we see. Um, tertiary institutions, be it university or college, and we also hold workshops where we, we teach them um, psychosocial skills and so forth, but basically how to articulate and handle themselves in spaces that they're not familiar with. So that's definitely that's fun hikers, and that's based on my journey as a first generation student.
1: Oh, that's a really interesting program, and we have some leadership programs here at Wharton, which I think we talked yeah. er, we talked to you about, where we use similar kinds of concepts, including mountain climbing, um, to really just get the ideas of what's going on with leadership and. Um, to communicate that in a way people can start to understand, because when you're climbing a mountain, you need teamwork, you need leadership, you need Absolutely. all those skills, right?
0: Absolutely.
1: So I I think this is a fantastic concept. But how did you get it started? Did did you get funding, or how is it that you were managed to pull this no, off?
0: It- Barbara, actually, our tagline is it starts with one step, right? Just like when you walk anywhere, it starts with one step. That's actually our tagline. Occupy Spaces, it starts with one step. So how we really started, um, my co-founder and myself, we sat down and said, as a bunch of professionals, how many times do we go out and go for dinners and drinks? And if we had to just spend a fraction of that money literally just mentoring one or two kids, how far would it get us? And we literally started where we were. Um, and we started with a few kids. It was six kids then, and we adopted a school that was from an underserved service community, and we started hiking with them. So not everything takes a lot of effort or funding or money to get you anywhere. It's amazing when you do things with the right intention, uh, the support follows, and it's essentially what has happened in the past three years. The support has definitely followed.
1: And so that program is still
0: ongoing, right? It's still on. We're actually celebrating our third birthday, um, this past weekend hiking table mountain oh. in Cape Town. Oh yeah, I saw that it's a beautiful mountain.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you're doing you're doing that, but then you decided to also start an e commerce business as well, right? Yes. So yes. tell us yes. a little yes. bit about how that started and what that's about.
0: Okay, so the e-commerce is literally based on my my experiences um, at Dartmouth and also in Slovenia. Um, Why I say Slovenia, it's such a tiny country in the middle of um, Central Europe. Um, The beauty about it, though, is um, every other country next to it is so easily accessible. Uh, Venice was a two-hour drive. Uh, Zagreb in Croatia is an hour's drive. Austria is also so nearby. So one literally got to travel and see different cultures and see how people are so immersed in their languages, their food, and so forth. So, I mean, after spending a year long traveling different parts of the world outside of Africa, and you see that you could the common thread is always that you could always find a, a an, an Indian restaurant anywhere, be it in Slovenia or, or the U.S. Um, or even Chinese food or Japanese. Um, one thing that always stood out for me was Africa was not represented at all. Um, So when I thought about my own retail experience having worked with buyers uh, for years and planners and designers and so forth, I asked myself, how can I use what I know from a business point of view, but to literally change the narrative about um, how perhaps Africa is perceived or positioned in a a global um, landscape. So e-commerce was the obvious answer. And so what we essentially do seem is a Zulu word which means of culture. So we sell African heritage inspired clothing accessories primarily targeted at the diaspora market. So primary people that are yeah, pardon.
1: Are you say your your target market are people from Africa who are living outside of Africa, is that right? Correct. Yes. So bring back homeland to them. Now, bring one of the th- back home. Yeah, one of the things I notice. I mean, and obviously, I'm, I don't know very much about Africa. I've only been there for three weeks. But even moving <laughs> around from South Africa to Rwanda to um, Kenya, it's not just one Africa. It's obviously no. So, what do you mean by Africa? Is it?
0: Is it? Do you? Do you show I'm that? i so to- I'm so I'm so glad you uh, you you mentioned that barbara that it's 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 also different right so um if you look at the products that we have um how we use culture to we sell well, basically we sell culture so I want to give you just a good example about um how we sell it um one of our jackets would have a product narrative onto it if you were to buy it it would tell you that the fabric is actually sourced from Ghana um this is what why the fabric is important to Ghanaian people, um however, it's actually designed and 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 crafted by by women in south africa so already if if you're an African that's living abroad, you have some sort of idea that Ghana and South Africa are two different things altogether, but it gives you a little bit about history about the product itself, why it's important or why it's different or why you should buy it you know, because we are all so different.
1: So, like, who are your partners on the platform? How, how did you get people to, you know, how did you get the product on the platform? I know you said you've had this experience, but can you unravel it little
0: for us and tell us exactly how you did that? Okay, so I work with uh, five brands so far that I've partnered up with, and they're all emerging brands um, that I owned by young women um, on the ground. So how I select them, it's based on their experience. How long have they had their businesses? So it's primarily businesses that have been trading locally within South Africa. Um, They've had some sort of traction, but they just don't have an international distribution channel um, at all. So they produce exclusive ranges for our platform. And we give them the distribution channel to sell it globally instead of just spacing it locally.
1: And then how do you get people to log on to your website? And Which, by the way, let's say it again, it's called Sintu Online, correct?
0: So it's www.sintuonline.com. So it's S-I-N-T-U online.com. So Sintu Online is one word, .com. So people can find us on Facebook, Facebook. Um, Instagram. On Instagram, it's into online slash shop African Heritage. They can also find us on Twitter as well. Um, yeah, those are the platforms. And we also do pop-up events and exhibitions. i um, actually on my way to Chicago to attend the African Festival of Arts this weekend, this long weekend Labor Day. And they've got all sorts of activities happening around um um, promoting African culture and so forth. So those are some of the platforms that um, our products will be available. So have
1: you found that there's growing interest? I mean, like, just as an example, as I mentioned, we at Wharton um, sent a dozen faculty there because there's a lot of interest, at least at our business school, in thinking about the African market and what that means and what that culture is. Have you noticed, even in the time you've been working, that there's growing interest in, in that?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I think... Um, Tech is one of those that's going to be the ultimate equalizer. I think more people are being exposed to um, what Africa is like authentically as opposed to perhaps the traditional media platforms that we've been exposed to. Um, Africa is a very young continent, um, so there's definitely a lot of interest in terms of the next frontier when it comes to la- labor opportunities and so forth. Um, not only that, we've improved our, our infrastructure in in a big way, um, we're becoming better at how we govern our our, our governments in in all the different um, big countries that that you would know. Um, I think another big phenomenon, I mean, we've seen it earlier this year when Black Panther came out and it evoked so much emotion in terms of advancing the African narrative and the whole Africa rise narrative. So I think definitely there's there's a shift in that sense that... um, People want to know more, but they want authentic stories. They want to know what 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 is it what what is it about Africa, but not necessarily what has been traditionally um, been shared in the past.
1: So, can you tell us a little bit more about what's authentic on your site and what are the? And you gave us an example of one product, but what else can people find if they go online to Sintu online and and discover what your platform offers?
0: Um, they can find beautiful kids' With, So. Uh, I found that a lot of platforms only offer um, products that are catered at your ladies' wear market and, and, and men's to some extent. But we've got some ranges uh, for kiddies and babies as well um, where, again, with each and every garment, a story is being told about why that romper is designed that way, or this is a generally a granny's favorite in the African <laughs> context or the South African context. And, yeah. So it's 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 a nice way to 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 buy gifts for your little ones as well, and something you can keep and and educate them about in the future, you know. And so,
1: what has been the response? Have you like talked to your customer? You said you come to the U.S. Have you met some of
0: the people who go online? And uh, what... yes, I have. So the 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 the, the response has been uh, quite good. I mean, we've only been live for three months, so I mean, for for the amount of time that we've been live. We've managed to have traction in our um, ideal target markets, which has been the US and UK, and South Africa specifically. So we have managed to have um, sales in those markets. And the response, certainly, like a lot of people, the feedback that they 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 they've sent us is that what they've loved was the 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 packaging that they receive with the product, that it's it's special occasion. They get a lovely box that's um, gift wrapped. And they get a little handwritten note inside that tells them what the product is about and which is the product narrative that I shared with you early. So for them, that has been such a pleasant surprise that it feels so personal and so unique that um, they'd want to buy again.
1: Are you part of a community of other African entrepreneurs who are trying to do different things to bring Africa? Yes. So can you yes. tell us a little bit so, about that community?
0: So not only the Man- Mandela Washington Fellowship is one example that I gave you, uh, but there's also another community that I'm part of. It's called the Tony Elumelu F- uh, Fellowship. Um, it's it's founded by um, a, a Nigerian businessman, Tony Elumelu, and he actually sponsors... Um, African entrepreneurs from all the different countries with seed capital, but the criteria is that their businesses need to either be in tech or agriculture, but the common thread needs to be innovation. How are we moving um, Africa forward in all the little ways that we are doing, but how, how how are business models innovative? How are they impacting people on the ground specifically? So, yeah, that's the Twenty Illumin Foundation.
1: Yeah, so can you tell us just a little... I mean, you explained your business, and it, sound, it sounds very... You know, that's why I was interested to get you on. I love the sound of the business. I love the Bantu hikers. Yeah. I like all you're doing. But are, do you face some challenges or some frustrations?
0: Uh, it, it's not easy
1: doing what you're doing, I think.
0: It's definitely not easy. It's definitely not easy. Um, I mean, being in a tech space where, again, it's still very much male-dominated. Um, so also getting the necessary support I mean one one finds that yes you may have all this amazing retail experience and so forth brick-and-mortar is a different ball game altogether to take so I think some of the challenges on my side is where does one get the support not just financial support but in terms of um, advisory sound boards people that are subject matter experts when it comes to tech related issues and, and and so far, I've found that in a small community called uh, Silicon Cape. So they've been absolutely amazing to us in terms of exp- exposing us to different networks um, that are available and different opportunities. I think that's how I came about to meet you, even, Barbara. Oh, I see. Recall. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it is part of the Silicon Cape initiative. Yeah, which is another community that's doing amazing things.
1: And so when you come to, you said you're coming to the United States, you're coming to Chicago. Are you just going to Chicago or what What else will you be doing? I mean, coming all the way over here, I, I imagine you'll stay here more than a couple of days.
0: You know, I'll be there for two weeks. So the first week I'll be spending in Chicago and I'll hopefully be looking out for wonderful opportunities um, available elsewhere um, where we can share these stories or I can meet other amazing people that are doing similar work. Um, and hopefully touch base then.
1: That'd be great. And we'd love it if you could maybe come back to Philadelphia and maybe interact with some of our students here and tell your story to I'd our absolutely, students.
0: I would absolutely love that. I'd absolutely love that, given the opportunity. Um, yeah. Well I have an open diary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's very impressive what you're doing, especially, you know, the background and, and seeing what Africa's like and what the potential for Africa is very exciting to be on that on that cutting edge, I think. Um, and giving back yeah, to the indeed. community. Indeed. Yeah. So I I really appreciate your coming on the show tonight. And if you want to learn more about Mpo Sequela and her business, you can find her online at sintuonline.com or as she said you can follow her on Twitter at sequel it's spelled s e k w e l i really encourage you to go online and look at what what she's doing with that and to understand more about about her uh, entrepreneurial activities and maybe do you have um is there an online presence for bantu
0: hikers too or no yes definitely so that's hikers. that's b a n t u h-i-k-e-r-s dot
1: Ah, thank you. Well, thank you very much for coming on our show. Thank Th- you so much for having me, Barbara. It was lovely chatting to you. It was very fun to ta- talk with you today,
0: too. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.